Welcome to American Indian and Alaska Native Living, a program designed to educate and inspire listeners throughout Indian country. American Indian and Alaska Native Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he is here today to help you learn more about your health. Here is Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we're looking at a topic that cuts across many health conditions and can give you some really powerful tools to help you in your journey to better health. Joining me for today's program is Rich Edison. He's a physician's assistant with Confluence Health in Washington State. Rich, it's great to have you with us today. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you. Rich, you and I had the privilege of getting acquainted fairly recently. It was quite interesting as we compared notes. We ended up uh, spending time in very close proximity to each other in the same uh, educational venue, but uh, to both of our knowledge, neither one of us can remember ever crossing paths. I was doing my residency in internal medicine at Kettering Medical Center in Ohio, part of uh, Wright State University, and you were on that same campus getting medical training as well. Tell us about your professional background. Um, yeah, I trained as a physician assistant back in 1984 to 1986 at Kettering Medical Center, uh, Kettering University. Uh, at that time, it was called Kettering College of Medical Arts. Um, and then I uh, went into practice uh, with my father, uh, actually, in upstate New York, um, and practiced with him for a couple of years and then practiced with several other um, doctors companies uh, in upstate New York until we moved out west here in 2001. Well, I'm really excited, Rich, that you're with us. I mean, just your geographic background parallels a lot of my Native American listeners. You may not know this, but historically, a lot of our support for the whole American Indian and Alaska Native Living radio show and, and magazine came from people who had roots, Native Americans who had roots in upstate New York. And we do have a lot of a lot of listeners uh, to this day in the Northwest. So you represent uh, two of those geographic bases that our show has been strong with and has been supported by over the years. So we're really thankful for that kind of eclectic geographical background that you bring with you. Now, PA, physician's assistant, is something that I find that people still get confused about I mean, MD, medical doctor, most people get that. But when it comes to nurse practitioners, physician's assistants, medical assistants, a lot of times I find that lay people who haven't really been navigating the medical system much, they get confused. Can you help us understand just what a physician's assistant is and how your role would say differ from some of those other health professionals? Certainly. Um Physician assistant actually came out of Vietnam where the medics were coming back so highly trained that they they weren't nurses, uh, they weren't medical assistants, but they weren't doctors. And so they actually developed an entire career, uh, new career pathway around them. And uh, my, my, many of my uh, preceptors and uh, 
teachers at Kettering at that time were actually uh, Vietnam vets uh, coming out from that. A physician assistant, uh, basically a better term for it actually would be a physician, physician extender or associate. We're not actually assistants. We do much of what a physician does, but we do it under the supervision of a physician. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great way you're describing it. So, for example, I uh, still do a telemedicine practice. That's how things have kind of morphed uh, in the days uh, following COVID-19. And I have a physician's assistant who actually is on site at the clinic where I'm working out of, and I'm remote. So I'm doing telemedicine, working with patients. And she is actually doing the very same thing that I do in person. Sometimes it's telemedicine, too, that she's rendering. But as a PA, she's pretty much doing everything that any physician in the clinic would do. If she's got a question about something, she may refer to me. Sure, there's some paperwork, sometimes insurance paperwork, Medicare, Medi-Cal in California that may require a physician's signature, but she's done all the groundwork and passes that along to me. So really, I notice a lot of folks call her doctor, just like they probably call you Dr. Edison, even though you don't have a doctoral degree. Do you find that's often the case? Oh, yes. Every time I walk in the room, I always introduce myself as a physician assistant. They'll immediately say, well, good to meet you, doctor. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, I I tell people that uh, we do the same things pretty much as the doctor does. We just get paid less. So (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. And we do appreciate uh, people like, you know, a lot of folks, you know, they know nurse practitioner as well. For those of you who are PAs, do you see much difference in the role of the nurse practitioner compared to the physician's assistant? How would you describe that if you're sitting with a lay person? They say, well, you know, it seems like the nurse practitioner does the same things as the PA. How do you put those two professions side by side? In most cases, that is the case. I work with uh, nurse practitioners in the clinic where I work. We do the same things, basically. The training's a little bit different. A nurse practitioner was a nurse who was taking advanced training beyond that uh, so she can function as a nurse practitioner. Physician assistant is usually more uh, in school. Quite often more, some of the nurse practitioners do their work online, whereas PAs is more in-person work. Our emphasis is a little bit different. Um, Ours is a little more clinically oriented, I think, but basically we function the same and uh, I love working with the MPs that I work with. Yeah, and it's the same in the clinic where I work out of. Then there's that other group of folks that sometimes, again, because they've got that assistant after them, medical assistant. Now that's a whole different profession. Can you help us understand the difference between the MA and say the physician's assistant. Yeah, a medical assistant is more like a nurse, uh, like a nurse assistant or an orderly. We don't have orderlies anymore, but that's where they use function. They work providing, getting the patient uh, prepared to see the provider, but they don't actually diagnose or prescribe. Uh, they will administer medications uh, under our direction, but. Um, they don't actually uh, plan. But medical assistants play a vital role in our our clinic because uh, they help prepare the patient ahead of time, and they quite often will have insights into the patient that they'll communicate to us that we may not have noticed or the patient 
didn't feel comfortable speaking to us about, but they speak to the medical assistant about. They're a powerful member of the team. I know. So we have kind of a small group that I work with. I mean, it's a large multi-specialty group, but we've got a team and it's basically one main MA and then the PA and, and myself. Since uh, I'm just part-time, one of the uh, a single MA is able to surround that with help, of course, when we're both seeing patients uh, the same day. And uh, that person is the frontline person that's dealing with the patients and often helping coordinate things on behalf of my PA and myself. So I think it's a great way to help us conceptualize those different roles. Now, you, Rich, have taken your work as a PA in a direction that not a lot of people take it. You've really had a strong emphasis on education and prevention. Tell us a little bit about how that came about. It's kind of been part of the way I grew up. My father was very interested in lifestyle medicine. He actually ended up ending his career as health director for ADRA for several years, went overseas to Kyrgyzstan. Um, so it's kind of been instilled in me ever since I was a child, the importance of people's general health and helping people live healthier lives rather than just throwing medication at them. And I found in my own practice that it can be very rewarding to have a patient be able to make some lifestyle changes that allow them either to get off medication or to avoid having to take as much medication and improve the quality of their life. Uh, it's one of the most rewarding parts of my practice when I'm able to do that. No, that really is exciting. And I know one of the exciting things for me, having worked in Indian country for many years, is just how much that system of care, if we want to use that term, resonates with First Nation peoples. So many times I've had people who have indigenous roots here in North America say things like, this is like our culture. I mean, this is what our elders taught us, you know, focused on these non-drug therapies. And I know you've put a lot of energy into that. And I'm excited because I know one of the things that we're going to be talking about as we continue throughout the show is just some of those insights that you've gained, some of the things that you've seen that are so powerful in making an impact on people. Before we get there, though, Rich, I know another thing that is a real passion of yours is educating even people who never walk through the doors of your clinic. So you've been trying to develop more of a presence on the Internet. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing in that domain. I've been lucky enough to be able to do some writing. Uh, I've got about 150 published articles. Um, many of them are geared towards young people, but many also geared towards health. I was nutrition columnist for Listen Magazine, which is a health and wellness magazine. I was their, their nutrition columnist for about three years. And uh, I've got to actually have a graphic novel that I did the writing for called Trouble on the Blue Planet, which was a lot of fun. But in regards to health, I have written for several magazines in that regard. And I also am developing a website called Positive Choices for Life that is not up and running yet, but I hope to make that a area where I can send people towards to give them general health information and on lifestyle changes that they can do to improve their health and reduce the risk of chronic disease. No, I mean, this is tremendous. This is tremendous. And, you know, the interesting thing to me, Rich, about your background is I noticed that folks who have written for the lay public, they're in touch with what 
people are thinking about, the kind of questions they're asking. And that's why I'm so uh, really encouraged that you were willing to do this show with me, because as we talk about different topics, these are things that people are asking about. Nobody writes articles that no one's interested in. They just wouldn't get published. (laughs) So this is especially relevant to me. It's one of the things I enjoy the most doing. Well, let's talk about some of these uh, things. Let's start with nutrition. And over the years, you've written a lot about nutrition. You've worked with your patients on the topic of nutrition. What kind of big themes do you see that are out there that, for example, someone tuning into the show, maybe for the first time, they haven't heard us speak about lifestyle medicine or healthy nutrition choices. What would you say some of the pillars are when it comes to healthy nutrition? Well, certainly, especially in this day and age, there's increasing interest in a whole food plant-based diet, and we're finding more and more the difference uh, that can be made as far as uh, preventing chronic diseases by uh, switching more into that direction. So one of the things I encourage my patients to do, especially those with chronic diseases, is start moving in that direction. You know, I tell them, I understand if you you can't make the complete switch, but the more you can move in that direction, the more of a difference it can make in your health. So that's one of the big pillars that I think is being emphasized nowadays. So let's make it practical. Someone's listening right now, and let's say whether they're Native American who's grown up in an urban area, and maybe they say, boy, I'm just out of touch with my Native roots. I mean, I'm just eating like anybody else, running to the fast food restaurants and occasionally uh, grabbing something on the fly. I don't have a lot of time to prepare food. Or whether they're in any other setting. But speak to that person who's eating a lot of uh, red meat, a lot of uh, animal products. What kind of steps can they take to move in the direction that you're recommending? I always encourage my patients to take small steps, steps they're comfortable with. Kind of looking at their plate and seeing what the general makeup of it is uh, as far as how much meat and how much vegetables are there on there and one thing is that can be very helpful is to look for color uh, trying to increase mm. the amount of color in the, on the plate can be helpful it makes it more pleasant to eat and also by adding color you're adding many more nutrients and you're almost naturally adding more fruits and vegetables to the plate that's a powerful concept we want to talk more Rich, about nutrition, other lifestyle things, other practical strategies for improving health in general, also about specific medical conditions, but we have to step away just briefly. I'm Dr. David DeRose. You're listening to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Rich Edison, physician's assistant and author, is my guest. We'll be back with more right after these important messages. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web at A-I-A-N-L dot O-R-G. That stands for American Indian Alaska Native Living. Again, A-I-A-N-L dot org. Or you can call us at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. We are strong. We are resilient. And we will get through this together. But these are stressful times. And it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid. But there is hope. Reach out to someone. Connect with your friends. Stay in touch with your community. And know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. 
furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. When Jim died, I wondered if I would be able to keep the farm. Then I heard about the USDA's loan program for socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers. It's for women and minorities who may be having trouble getting credit. Once I was approved, the USDA's Farm Service Agency helped me get the credit I needed. Now I don't have to sell, and I can pass the farm down to my kids the way Jim's dad passed it down to him. I know he'd like that. Contact your local USDA service center or visit www.fsa.usda.gov. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back with Dr. David DeRose. We're speaking today about practical lifestyle strategies that you can implement We're seeing through the eyes of Rich Edison. Rich is a physician's assistant with a wealth of experience, not only working with patients, but communicating health-enhancing messages. He's a popular author, having written many articles. He's a book author. He's also, well, I guess we need to go there next. Rich, you're also putting out written content through the Internet. Tell us a little bit about that project. Um, my site is called EncouragingWordsForTheDay.com. Uh, there's just so much negative on the Internet and in the news that I felt the need to um, help people uh, look for the good and uh, have an, an encouraging word each day uh, that can help them. Right now it's weekly, but I'm hoping in the near future to make a daily. And we just look at different things about life and try to find an encouraging aspect of them. Well, you're a master of encouragement, encouragingwordsfortoday.com. The reason I say that, Richard, is uh, you and I met recently at a conference. I was one of the, the speakers there. I know you had, gave a, a short presentation there as well. And shortly after the conference, I heard from you and you said, you know, one of the lectures I gave, it inspired you to write one of your uh, encouraging words. So I was encouraged not only that you were encouraging others, but you were encouraged by something I said. So that encouraged me. Now, people might think that's a lot of encouragement, but it's true. So I, I appreciate that because you're someone who's actively engaged in, in learning, being on the cutting edge with stuff, and then translating that into material that can help other people. You just um, were recently, if I understood correctly, 
at another conference where you were gleaning some cutting-edge stuff. Is that correct? Yes. I just finished this last week attending the um, by a virtual conference, the uh, Restored Mental Health Conference, and really enjoyed that. So tell us a little bit about uh, the Restored Mental Health Conference, because the mental dimension, we want to tie back in with nutrition and lifestyle, but if someone doesn't have their mind focused on getting better or partnering with their healthcare providers, things like that, they're not usually going to get very far. So tell us a little bit about the theme of the Restored Mental Health Conference. I think the theme would really be that we're trying to make um, medical professionals and others more aware of the, the interaction of the mental health along with the rest of your health and how that they can intervene to help with that through health coaching or other medium and counseling and to make the patient comfortable with bringing up those issues uh, in the office or in other settings. So we were talking in the last segment about nutrition and I know you've worked with hundreds, thousands of people trying to help them improve their nutritional choices Help us, Rich, to understand what you might use to help someone. Let's say you talk about this whole foods, plant-based diet. You say, I want you eating more plant foods, not the refined stuff, not the potato chips and the French fries, but the whole potato, not the refined grain, but the whole corn or the whole wheat or the brown rice. And someone just says, hey, I don't like that stuff. How do you come alongside them and help them to see the power of making some of those changes? You have to meet the person where they're at. The last thing I want to do is uh, make them feel bad about what they're eating. I want them to feel positive. And I, what I encourage them to do is make just small changes to think back to when they were a child. What did they enjoy eating the most? And if they say, well, I never ate fruits or vegetables, maybe suggesting that they try adding one fruit to their diet a day for a week and try different ways of preparing it and just experimenting and having fun with their food. I think this is very helpful to take away the stigma that they might feel towards certain types of food and help them to do, uh, explore new options. I love this concept. To me, it is so powerful because we're really communicating to people that as they're making changes, there's really no step that's too small, and it's never too late to start. I know those are two key themes that I hear between the lines that you're speaking to us about, but I know the flip side of that is occasionally we will have a patient who, well, if we're saying no step is too small, well, it's true on a lifestyle basis, but if they don't do something pretty soon that's fairly dramatic, they're going to be in serious trouble. How does that change the equation? Maybe someone is uh, getting over a heart attack, they've got some severe heart issues, maybe they're dealing with congestive heart failure or really bad kidney complications from their diabetes. You know it's critical that they need to make some changes sooner rather than later. They don't have years to uh, stave off dialysis, for example, in that latter situation. How do you, in that case, when you're so anxious to meet people where they're at, but yet 
they have something of sufficient gravity that they need a more urgent message. Tell us how you balance that as a provider. Yeah, that is very important because there are times when more rapid or more intense intervention is necessary, especially if poorly controlled diabetes or heart disease or something like that. And I think that's where patient education uh, can make such a difference. Um, So in that situation, I would talk to the patient and say, you understand that there's serious consequences associated with this condition you have, but there is good news that with lifestyle change, certain lifestyle changes, we can uh, dramatically improve your potential for the future as far as getting this under control and preventing worse disease. Then I'll ask them, ask permission on them. Would you like to hear about some of the options that are available? And then if they give me that permission, then I will move forward and start to talk to them about the consequences of their diet and also changes that can be made that can make a difference. I think that's such a a great way to go about it, really coming close to the patient, working with them. You've had some great success stories over the years. I know my listeners would love to hear some of the things that you've seen that really inspired you, and I think it'll be an inspiration to us. Yeah, one that kind of comes to mind is uh, I was working this last year. I normally work in a walking clinic setting, but with COVID, uh, there was some changes. And I, in 2020, took a short trial with a family practice. And because of COVID, that ended up closing. So I ended up working in occupational medicine for a year, which is a totally different uh, way of doing medicine in many respects, uh, have more time with the patient, um, but it also, you're dealing with a less healthy population in many cases. And uh, I had one patient who was uh, having problems with, I believe, diabetes and was developed, had certainly some weight problems. And I started talking with them about a whole food plant-based diet and the changes they could make. And I offered them a couple resources and then they left and I thought that, you know, I wasn't sure how much of an impact I made, but then they came back for an exam a couple months later and they said, doc, I got that book and I uh, read it and I put it into action. Some of the things you talked about and I've lost six pounds and I'm off one of my medications and I'm just feeling so much better. He was just thrilled with the way he was doing it. it made my day too. Tremendous. So now all my listeners are saying, okay, well, what book did you recommend? Uh, it was Dr. Dean Ornish's Undo It and uh, Dr. Greger's uh, How Not to Diet. Okay. So Dr. Greger, a lot of people know the name of Michael Greger. book that got a lot of visibility was called How Not to Die. And then he had a follow-up book. And uh, tell us a little bit about the one that you recommended. So the book How Not to Diet... Uh, looks at all the major diets that are out there and shows the reader the scientific basis and evidence as to which diet is the most appropriate and, the, and most effective. And that turns out to be a whole food plant-based diet and uh, then gives um, practical ways that they can implement that. Now, Rich, we've talked about this whole food plant-based diet on the show before, but for listeners who may just be jumping on the first time, they've heard us mention this a number of times. Just what is that? I mean, 
it may seem obvious to some of us who use the term, but for someone who's hearing it for the first time, does that mean they're just supposed to plant food like a squash? They just pick the squash out of the garden and just start eating it? Is that the plan? No. Nah, I mean, you can if you want, but it might not be as palatable as if you, you uh, did a little work on it uh, uh, with spices and things like that. Um, but uh, no, a whole food plant-based diet is the whole Whole food portion is is looking to try to eat um, foods in as natural a state as possible with as little processes you know, as we can. And plant-based means that it is primarily plant-based. Um, animal products are a small, if may play only a very small role or not a role at all in the diet. This is uh, just really key, and we're so glad that you're communicating this message too our listeners today. We're going to come back in just a moment. If you're just joining us, Rich uh, Edison has got some great resources. He has a, uh, a website that's about to get up and running. He's got an existing website. And we're going to be telling you about how you could tap into some of his uh, great resources that can help you on your journey to better health. We'll be coming up with a lot more right after this. American Indian and Alaska Native Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please contact us on the web at AIANL.org or call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. A message from the National Police Association. It used to be that any able-bodied person would offer to assist a police officer in danger. Now, passers-by are more likely to take a video. There's a better use for your phone when an officer's in trouble. Call 911. Tell the operator where you are and what you see. Then, start your video to provide evidence later. To learn more about how you can assist law enforcement, visit nationalpolice.org. That's nationalpolice.org. Unlike other health concerns, mental illness is not always easy to see. Depression won't show up on an eye chart, and you can't measure it on your bathroom scale. Sorting out a mental health concern is not something to attempt on your own. You won't find a bipolar disorder by looking at a thermometer. Like many other health conditions, help for mental illness takes professional diagnosis and treatment. Anxiety won't just go away under a stick-on bandage. So the sooner you seek treatment, the better. If you or a loved one has a mental health concern, don't go it alone. Find out what to do. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral, call 1-800-662-HELP. Learn more at samhsa.gov support. That's samhsa.gov support. Using meth taught me everything about freedom, only not like you think. It taught me how easy it is to lose your freedom. If you think meth is taking control of you, ask for help. You have the power to be truly free. I know. I'm Jan, and I'm free from meth. If you or someone you know is struggling with meth, call 1-800-662-HELP for 24-hour free and confidential treatment referral. Learn more at samhsa.gov meth. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. 
Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the second half of today's edition of the broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose. My guest, Rich Edison. He's a physician's assistant and author. He is uh, developing some innovative resources, both in the virtual space as well as in person. Rich, uh, we want to talk about some of those things. You've had a vision to do a lot more in person, even though you're getting your name out there and in cyberspace, ministering to folks, helping folks with their health needs via the virtual technologies that are out there. Tell us a little bit about a couple of the communities that you've been working in. You're getting ready to develop some lifestyle centers and different venues. Tell us what that's all about. Yeah, I live in central Washington, and I live close to um, my hometown is a small town called Kashmir, uh, Washington, and it's a uh, area that's fairly popular with tourists. There's a candy company here that is a draw to people from all over, and so we get people from all over for that. The other town is Leavenworth, and it is a Bavarian village theme uh, set on the eastern side of the Cascade Mountains, and just a beautiful place. And in both these areas, we have the normal health problems that uh, plague our society. And so I'm working uh, with a couple local organizations there to help uh, develop programs in the community where we can help uh, improve the health of the community and bring hope to the people there. This is uh, so needed. And I know a lot of folks throughout the country, whether they're in a, a Native American setting, whether they're in a rural setting, far from a reservation, whether they're on a reservation, urban area, I mean, you name it, people are looking for new ways to deliver health services and ways to especially make healthcare services more accessible, especially in rural areas. I really like some of the concepts you're looking at, and one of them dovetails with another area of training you have, and that is, I understand you're also a certified health coach. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. Now, a lot of people may think that sounds strange, Rich. They say, well, you know, if you're a physician, a PA, a nurse practitioner, don't you have training in helping people just like a health coach would? But you really saw a need to get additional training. Tell us what that's brought to your practice and to your perspective on health education. It's really made a difference in my practice because I'm better able to connect with the patient. And to explain that, in Modern medicine, especially like in the walk-in clinic where I work, we have very limited time to interact with patients. And much of what we do is more us providing them with quick education or um, giving them directions on what we want them to do. But with health coaching takes a different approach. In health coaching, the patient kind of leads the way, and we act more as facilitators to help them make wise decisions about uh, their health. Uh, in my practice, uh, this kind of limited that I can do that, but I am quite often able to insert a little something in there, asking them about what their plans are as far as their health or their future, or if they're dealing with something like diabetes, uh, helping guide them towards a, a healthier approach towards how they're eating. And my hope is that as we work with the communities that I can help train other 
of the people I've worked with to become health coaches or health facilitators so that they can work with the people in the community to help them make wise decisions about their health. There's so many things I love about this perspective, Rich, and maybe I'll mention two of them in these ways. The first one is uh, some six years ago, I had the privilege of co-authoring a book called 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control. And when I was working on that book with my co-authors, one of the interesting things we came across was a lot of the work that people in the public health community were doing, looking at chronic diseases like high blood pressure and diabetes, and just looking at the burden of suffering that we have in every segment of the population. And of course, these are not just Native American issues. These are affecting people globally, something across the board like 30 to 50% of, of adults having high blood pressure. And what these authors were saying is we just don't have enough PAs, nurse practitioners, physicians to address these problems. We really need to start mobilizing people as either health coaches or community health workers or tribal health workers or whatever term you want to use, because if we really want to impact these conditions, we need to really mobilize communities to address them. And I really see what you're talking about, Rich, as implementing that vision. Am I reading too much into it? No, that's exactly what I'm thinking, looking at uh, the, the idea of community uh, of, and of different organizations working together to improve the quality of the community. No one organization by themselves is going to be able to do the work that needs to be done. It needs to be a combination of churches working together, um, schools, um, other health professionals, and the community leaders themselves, if we can make a true impact on a community. Uh, and that's why training lay people, people who aren't necessarily in the medical field, to be able to facilitate a person uh, through the concept of something like health coaching can make such a difference because many times we'll put on a program such as the Diabetes Undone program or something like that, and then the, there's no follow-up and the people, they got good information, but they have trouble implementing it. And if they are partnered with a health coach within the program, then they can continue that relationship afterwards. And we find they're much more successful with that. And also it helps them when we move into other areas of health because they already have that relationship developed. I mentioned, Rich, that there are a couple of things that got me really excited about what you're doing with health coaching. The second one ties in with this whole dialogue, and that is this whole movement in public health. We talk about research. I know from having rubbed shoulders with a lot of tribal leaders, worked with a lot of tribes over the years, probably one of the biggest uh, frustrations I've heard in Indian country is uh, this old model of research when people would come in and they'd, quote, research this tribe and wouldn't do anything for them and would basically take their data and publish stuff. That is really totally foreign. And in fact, tribes become very proactive that, that those th kind of things aren't happening. But this whole motion to say, if you want to help us as uh, indigenous people, help us on our terms. And this whole idea of letting the community decide what their needs are. If, if you're looking to help partner with us, let's have that dialogue, talk with our tribal council, whatever it is. You're really saying the same thing on an individual basis because so often healthcare providers have felt they knew what was needed for a patient or for their community, 
But if a person isn't there, that's just going to end up being a frustrating exercise for both the health professional and the patient. So I really appreciate this whole kind of movement in um, in healthcare, and I really see people in the health coaching space catching that vision and running with it. So thank you for that vision. Yes, and you're absolutely right. It is so important to uh, consider the community and what the community perceives as their needs. In my area, we have a large Hispanic population, and we have to consider the cultural background, the types of food they enjoy, and all those type of things when helping them make uh, wise choices. We can't just dictate to them. We have to listen to them. And that's where medicine uh, can improve. And I think that's where health coaching can make such a difference is because the patient uh, or the client feels heard and feel that they are part of the process rather than just the receiver of information. Rich, I promised my listeners in the last segment that we'd give out some of your websites again. You've got one that's under construction. By the time this show is airing, it may be at least up and running in some uh, shape or fashion. First of all, tell us about the new website and what's going to be there. Uh, PositiveChoicesForLife.com will be a website we look at uh, some of the latest research coming out and ways that people can practically apply it to their lives. Also, just practical health tips and um, areas that patients can improve, uh, whether in exercise or diet, uh, some dealing with mental health issues and uh, practical things that a person can do, resources that can be made available to them. And uh, just making this process interesting and fun, hopefully, and improving your health. Great. And then you've got a web presence that's been ongoing for some time, encouragingwordsfortoday.com. Have I got that right? That's correct. So tell us a little bit more about that. Give us some of the encouragement that we would find there. Can you share with us an example of something that would motivate or encourage our listeners? Yeah, so today's uh, one that I just posted, we had a little snowstorm here, and it's in the middle of April, and I talked about how, you know, this was an unexpected thing, and that so much of what we experience in life is unexpected, and not always in a pleasant way, and I talked about some uh, practical strategies of things that we can do, of resources that we can approach to help us deal when the unexpected comes. And that's the type of thing I normally do. I usually try to just take uh, normal everyday experiences and find little broader applications that can help us in this kind of stressful world we live in to find a little encouragement and uh, a little hope uh, that things will improve. Great. I've got encouragingwordsfortoday.com, the new website, positivechoicesforlife.com. And I'm assuming, Rich, if someone is in uh, Kashmir, Leavenworth area in Washington, and if they're looking to connect with you, they're excited about some of the health coaching you're doing. Maybe they want training themselves. Maybe they want to either partner with you or take advantage of as a patient or as a client these uh, lifestyle centers that you're trying to develop. Could they reach out to you through uh, one of those websites? Uh, certainly. There's comment sections on both uh, that they can uh, send a message to, yes. So, Rich, um, 
One of the things I know, we've talked a lot about concepts, more philosophy. I know my listeners are always saying, okay, well, I'm on board. I'm ready to make some changes. You mentioned exercise. I know this is one of the challenging areas for a lot of people. Exercise can seem very daunting. Do you have any ways that in your health coaching and in your work as a physician's assistant that you've helped people get off the sofa, so to speak, and get on an exercise program? Give us some of those secrets. Yeah, I think, like I said, with diet, it's a matter of starting. Uh, and if that means just starting small, that's fine. Um, any amount of activity can make a difference. You know, we you may have heard people say that we need 30 minutes exercise a day. Well, the fact of the matter is the research shows that any amount of exercise can make a difference. And just improve, increasing your activity that may mean parking a little farther in the parking lot from the door of the store. So you have to walk a little bit farther, taking the stairs when you go to the doctor's office um, or just getting up a little earlier and taking a little walk. Start small and start building up towards it, but give yourself a goal. Give yourself something to look for, whether it's maybe running a 5K or something next year. I love the idea, and one of the things I typically do with patients is say, do something every day, even if it's only five minutes. We're going to come back with our final segment momentarily. We're going to talk about more practical strategies that you can use to improve your health. If you say, I knew I should be doing this for a long time, but still haven't done it, Rich is going to have some insights for you. Stay tuned. Dr. David DeRose, Rich Edison, will be back right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov slash plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov slash plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. I'm just texting him back. I'm just posting a story. I'm just changing the song. I'm just... No. When it comes to distracted driving, just don't. Sending a text takes your eyes off the road for just five seconds, but in that time, your car can travel the length of an entire football field. Any distracted driving just isn't worth it. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What is a number story? My number story started with fear and a lack of support, and it has led me to be there for others. A number story begins in our childhood with ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. My number story begins with the separation from my father and the emotional abandonment from my mother and leads to me being a role model to not only myself, but those around me by becoming the person that wasn't there for me. ACEs are so common, two-thirds of us have one. My number story begins with drug abuse and homelessness and leads to realizing that I can live life by my own standards. A study found the more ACEs, the more likely we may experience a host of serious health effects, physical and mental, but that doesn't need to be the case. Your ACE number is simply an entry point to your own story. Where it leads is up to you. 
My number story begins with years of emotional abuse and leads to peace, clarity, and security in my self-worth. Take control of where your number story leads at numberstory.org. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the final segment of today's edition of the broadcast. Dr. David DeRose with Rich Edison, physician's assistant and author. He's coming to us from the state of Washington. He's also got roots in upstate New York. I know many of you relate to his geographic background, if not to his professional background. Rich, we've been speaking a lot about some of the, I would say, innovative things that you've been doing, some of the things that are really helping patients, helping communities where you've been working over the years. And we want to draw more from that expertise. We want to give a lot of practical insights in this final segment. One of them has to do with exercise in those who have challenges with mobility. I can't tell you how many patients I deal with. Maybe they've had amputations. Maybe they have trouble even getting out of bed. Are there practical things that someone with limited mobility can do that can actually help them in the area of activity? Yeah, there's uh, there definitely is. In this kind of situation, you want to look for something that's a low impact, that's fairly easy to do, that there's low risk of injury with. One of the things I found very helpful is using uh, rubber bands. Um, the And I'm not talking about the things you put around a sheaf of papers. I'm talking more of the thick uh, stretching you know, physical therapy rubber bands, which you can get on the internet for a very cheap price. And with those, you can do uh, stretching exercises. You can do strength building, uh, such as bicep curls. You can really give yourself a full body workout, um, yet it doesn't necessarily require you to be able to stand to do that. And it doesn't require a lot of equipment. I do, when I do my band exercises, I use the doorknob on my door to anchor the strap while I'm I'm doing my stretching and uh, bicep curls and stuff. Wow. So this is very accessible. And I'm assuming though, that someone could overdo even with that. Are there any websites or other things you recommend your patients view, or do you just give them individual instruction when you're working with them? I usually do individual instructions. I don't have any specific websites that I can think of right off the top of my head, but there's definitely a lot of resources out there. And what I tell my patients is listen to your body. You don't have to make it hurt in order for it to help. Very good. So there's some practical things that just about anybody can do when it comes to exercise. We've talked about some things that people can do as far as nutritional choices, especially eating more of those so-called whole plant foods. But I know a lot of folks, just like you've seen, Rich, we have a lot of folks who say, you know, yeah, I heard what the guy said, you know, try a you know, different fruit every day of the week. Um, this is not really sounding too good to me. Are there any other strategies? And I'm not trying to minimize that one because I think there's some some real wisdom in it. But any other things that you found really resonated with people as far as helping them move in the right direction as far as their nutritional choices? I think making it personal. One thing that's very helpful to some people is actually to, if they have the facilities to do so, to grow their own 
fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. That way they can experiment with different things and they also get a little exercise doing it. And you don't have to have a big plot of land to do it. My wife has a 10,000 square foot garden, so, but you don't need something like that. Um, just a grow box in the house. Uh, you can grow some lettuce or something like that. And it's amazing how much better things taste when they, they're fresh uh, and also that you've done it yourself. So that's one little area that I think can be helpful on doing. And the other is just to experiment, to go into your grocery store and kind of look at things and uh, try out new things. And then you get on the internet and see different ways to prepare them. Uh, We right now are uh, starting to eat more bok choy and really enjoying it uh, because there's so many great things you can do for it with it. And it's easy to prepare. I love this idea of making an adventure, trying to learn new things, trying to grow things. We did a program a while back on sprouting, uh, microgreens, some of these things that you're mentioning. So a lot of practical ways that people can expand their nutritional options and become engaged. Rich, a lot of folks do when they speak about lifestyle. They tend to gravitate to things like nutrition and activity. But lifestyle takes in a lot more than that. You just shared with us earlier in the program that you were at a major mental health conference recently. Are there any things in that domain that you think practical suggestions you could give my listeners that would help maybe with their outlook when they're experiencing a lot of challenges and difficulties? Yeah, so I think as much positivity as you can add into your life can make a difference. There's so much negativity out there. That's part of the reason I decided to develop my blog, the encouraging words for today.com to help uh, people develop a more positive outlook, but also just uh, positive reading, um, music, getting out in nature. That can make such a difference for our mental health. Um, just getting that exposure to greenery, even if it's only for uh, a short time, is all we can do. Um, but paying attention to our mental health, our spiritual health, our social thing can make such a difference, not only in those areas, but also in our physical health. I so appreciate that this isn't just something that you talk about with your patients, but you're making some of these tools accessible for others. We've mentioned several times on the show your website, and I just want you to, uh, to one more time, give us that website where we can, on a weekly basis, hopefully in the near future, maybe on a daily basis, if that works out for you, get those encouraging words. Can you give us that website again? Certainly. It's encouragingwordsfortoday.com, and there is a spot there to sign up on the, for to be notified when a post is placed so that it'll come right to your email. Great. EncouragingWordsForToday.com. Rich, you've been writing encouraging words we heard earlier in the show for many years. You've been a regular columnist with a health magazine. You've done a lot of other writing. I think one of the things that people often talk about, I was actually, in fact, just doing a live uh, health question and answer show last night. And one of the people who reached out to me just shortly before the show that was really burdened with a lifestyle issue had to do with sleep and insomnia. What kind of things have you seen as a practitioner and educator that have made a difference with your patients as far as improving their sleep? Um, Once again, the exercise we talked about earlier can make such a difference, especially getting exercise later in the afternoon. Exposure to the sun, especially again in the late afternoon or earlier in the afternoon can make a difference because it helps regulate our melatonin levels, uh, which improve our sleep. 
And also uh, avoiding artificial light at night can make a huge difference. That's looking, avoiding looking at tablets or televisions or smartphone late at night. Opening up a normal, uh, the old fashioned book is a better approach than the, the reading on your tablet when it comes to your sleep. These are really good pointers. And, you know, if we work on these simple lifestyle strategies, if we have someone that we can partner with, someone like yourself, if they're in your local area, or jump on and take advantage of some of your resources, I so appreciate people that are putting things out like you are, Rich. As we're winding up uh, the show today, I know you've had a lot of experience seeing people's lives transformed. We talked uh, some about one of your patients uh, earlier in the show, but is there another story that you think might illustrate some of the things that we've been talking about today that would give us some encouragement as far as moving forward? I think the thing that I enjoy the most is when I get a time to talk with a patient. I had a patient the other day who was going through a difficult time um, due to some family issues, and I was able to just spend some time with them and um, let them vent and also help point them in the, towards some spiritual resources that can be helpful and some other reading resources that can be helpful. It's just, I think we all need to listen to each other more. Uh, and that holds true whether you're in medicine or not. We all, if we can listen to each other more, we can make such a difference in someone else's life. I love this concept so much because like we've talked about in this show, Rich, you're not just talking to healthcare providers in this broadcast, but you're talking to all of us. And you're basically helping us catch this vision that all of us are part, if you will, of the the healing team in our community. To that extent, Rich, uh, someone's listening to this show, they may be a tribal elder, they may seem like, well, I can't go back to school. Are there some resources out there if someone's not in your neck of the woods where they can get some training and health coaching if it's not immediately available in their tribal venue or something else uh, very easily accessible in person? Um, Yeah, there are many excellent programs out there. Uh, One of the most popular ones is Well Coaches. Uh, The one I uh, did my training was with Dr. Sears Wellness Institute. Uh, Those are two I'm most familiar with, but there are many excellent programs out there ones that are endorsed by the american college of lifestyle medicine or ones who have national certification are the ones i would recommend most tremendous rich if you're looking for more information from rich you can reach out to him at uh, either of his uh, websites rich give those one more time before we have to say goodbye positive choices for life.com is the website i'll be developing in the next month or so and that should be up and running within a month or so. Um, the encouraging words for today.com uh, is my existing website and I'd love for you to check it out. Rich, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today for American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Well, for all of us with the broadcast, as always, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One the Native American Radio Network.